Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are talking about what Dimitri Stanley and Nate Landman had to say uh, at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, I played that audio yesterday in the last podcast, so if you want to listen to that for yourself, which I definitely suggest you do, it's like the last... 23 minutes maybe of yesterday's podcast so you can go check that out for yourself um also they had their own conversations with me the day before or i get no the same day but the day before in the podcast feed um and that's like the last 15 to 20 minutes of the podcast the day before if you want to listen to that too uh which again i Definitely recommend you do. But yeah, uh, today we're just going to run through a couple of things that they had to say. Um, the, the things, I guess, that I wanted to talk about a little bit more. And uh, that's the plan. And so that's what we're going to do. But first, uh, a couple more words about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. They, uh, they're a rugby team, a new rugby team. They've been playing for about a year. And they, uh, they're pretty good. Um, they went five and five in their first season. They also got five guys into major league rugby. No, is it six now? I think it might be six, but, uh, you can also follow along with the DNVR rugby podcast, the, uh, DNVR rugby, Twitter account, all that stuff because Olympic rugby is getting underway in Tokyo and it's going to be fun to follow along. So definitely do that because there's not much going on in the sports world until next week, I guess, when the bus start camp, um, Okay, let's just um, run through some of these notes I had. I'm not really sure how long this will take, but um, uh, starting at the top. Oh, this is a question. No, this wasn't. Oh, I wrote this poorly. Um, so Dimitri Stanley talking about doing track. He uh, he says he is the fastest on the team. Um, you know, apparently they had some sort of race a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, in pads, all that kind of stuff, and he won. He also said, like, Mark Perry's not happy about it. Christian Gonzalez isn't happy about it. Um, Daniel Arias isn't happy about it. You know, none of those are names that come as big surprises, I don't think. I think that those are probably the top of the list when it comes to fast guys for CU. Um, that does remind me, though, that uh, news broke yesterday, I think from Brian Howell, that uh, Maurice Bell who returned kicks for CU last year, has a torn ACL, won't play this season. That's disappointing. Um, he he also caught a couple passes, was a big, like, 
run after the catch type of guy um, who also had the frame to contribute in some other ways too. You know, if he, he developed better route running skills, some of those sorts of things to get himself open. Um, one of the guys who I would have been pretty excited to see this season for sure. Um, but you know, it is what it is and he'll be back next year. Um, but that did come to mind because I would have guessed that he would have been right up there. Who else could have been in that fastest player conversation? You know, I, I think it wouldn't have surprised me if Jarek was in it. Um, it also doesn't surprise me that he wasn't. Um, just because he is a smaller guy with shorter legs, and if it's like a 10-yard burst, then I guess that Jarek is right up there. If they were running like 40, 50 yards, you know, we've seen him get caught from behind before. There's a whole like... He wasn't even full speed last year because of the knee brace, and now the knee brace is off, and so that's going to tick up just a little bit. But, you know, you don't expect him to be just like a a true burner-type, um, long-speed... You know, that the, those are guys who are built like Christian Gonzalez, like Daniel Arias, like Mark Perry. Dimitri Stanley, I didn't say this in any of the last couple days, but he is a good sized guy. Um, you know, I obviously hadn't like seen him in person since what the 2019 season when we were up at practice every day. Um, and so in my mind, he was still kind of that guy looking at him and talking with him the, the last couple days, he has filled out quite a bit and he is probably six foot six one, which again, like for, NFL receivers doesn't put you at the the top of the list or anything in terms of size, but when you remember that he's a slot guy, it does make him look a lot better or a lot bigger than a guy like like Britton Covey, who to me is still kind of that number one slot guy in the Pac-12 as he has been for like a decade at this point. Um, yeah, that was that was another little note there. Um, Anybody else in terms of speed? You know, if, if like Torin Pittman was crazy fast, the safety who could see the field this year, that wouldn't have come as a surprise to me. Um, Brendan Rice, Levante Chenault, with Brendan probably being more likely, neither of those would have surprised me. But I will say that that group that Dimitri named, him taking first with Mark Perry, Gonzo, and uh, Daniel Arias, makes some sense. Makes some sense. Um, I did ask him about um, running track, though, and whether that was something that the coaches were excited about. And he said that Carl liked the idea better than Chev did, um, which, you know, isn't like a huge surprise. We talked to Chev about this um, during camp, and I remember him saying something like, you know, as long as he doesn't miss practice, you know, he has a lot of work to do on the football field and some of that kind of stuff. You could tell that there was a little bit of hesitance there. Um, but again, Carl wanting him to go try different things and get faster and draw a little bit more attention it makes some sense to me. Um, but, you know, those little things are kind of interesting. Um, we're just going to go through this list in order. Uh, Nate talked about growing up in Zimbabwe. Um, I think the, the question he was asked was about his tattoos. Um, so you guys probably remember the lion tattoo that he has on his left arm. Over the offseason, though, he did get another. It's like a, a Serengeti or something. Um, and 
it's a it, first of all I should say it's a great tattoo and you know I don't think Nate needs my tattoo reviews but I would say like just the lion head on your arm it can it it doesn't look as good as it does with like more going on you know I've never been like a tattoo guy myself um and whenever I've talked to like my friends about that stuff they're like oh, I could get a sleeve but I think that's, and I've always thought, well, that's kind of like an extreme move, right? But then you see something like Nate's tattoos developing, you're like, yeah, if you're getting tattoos, I think it might look better, get more. But that's that's not really the point of this. The point of this is, he was asked about those, he talked about um, being born in Zimbabwe, um, he, <laughs> he, he moved, he said, like, he moved here in 2002, um, most of his family's still back in Zimbabwe, he has a couple of cousins down in Arizona, Um but then somebody else asked him, did you like hunt and fish when you're in Zimbabwe? And he was like, well, I was four, which was a, was a good answer. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I actually hadn't heard all that much about his life. You, I knew that he was from Zimbabwe. I knew that he came here when he was young. Um, I knew that he like officially got U.S. citizenship, like whatever that was three years ago, two years ago. But I, I, I realized when he was talking, I was like, I've never really like asked him about how, like, is your family there? Like, did, where was your family from there? And so, so hearing some of that, um, about him was definitely interesting. And what he didn't say during that was that his dad was actually uh, a professional rugby player in Zimbabwe, which, Again, not a surprise when you consider what Nate Landman is at this point in his life. Um, oh, my notes page closed. There we go. Um, oh, I also asked them, like, do you feel like you have rivals in the Pac-12? Um, and obviously, like, the easy answer is Utah um, because they are the travel partner they came into the conferences. They have a bunch of things like that going for them. And they've they've had like some important games played between them. Um, but I didn't want to like say, is Utah your rival? Or, you know, just leave it open. Hear what they have to say. But they did say like, yeah, they feel that with Utah. Um, and Dimitri said, I th- like, I think he said, I think Carl would say the same thing too. And, you know, you like to hear that because it's something your fans talk about, something we talk about. And it is a discussion. Like, none of these are rivalries like the rivalry with Nebraska or something like that. But I also wouldn't have been surprised. You know, you also hear people throw things out there like, oh, well, USC never beaten them, but we keep coming close. And it's like, well, can't really be a rivalry then. Um, Arizona State, they've had like a couple of games. Arizona beat them the last few years. I don't know. Um, but they did say like Utah's that, that one because you play him the last week of the season, weather's always bad. And then Nate added, you know, we play very physical brands of football and, and that kind of makes it even more intense, especially when you're playing in, uh, the winter in the snow, usually at the end of the season. So I don't know. I, I thought that that was an interesting response. Maybe not the biggest surprise. Um, see Nate says, when he was on the sideline um, this spring, he wasn't able to participate. He did say like he got to see the bigger picture a little bit more, um, see how everything works together instead of just you know being out there putting your head down and playing linebacker. Definitely 
something you want to hear. Although I will say like Nate isn't somebody who I would look at and say he's he doesn't understand what's going on around him. Like he has no feel for it. Like I don't think that that's something he really needed. But the fact that he was willing to bring that up, um, it does make me curious what he will look like when he's on the field again. You know, I think the the one place that I really look to is potentially in coverage. Um, you know, when you have a slot receiver kind of running in behind you on a crossing route, is this something that helps him with his feel for where that guy is um, when he's out there? Um, things like that, I, I could see where there'd be some improvement. But again, I mean, how much more could you really ask of Nate Landman at this point? Um, he also asked about the new defensive coordinator, um, Chris Wilson, taking over for Tyson Summers. He said that the defense is simpler, which is interesting. He said there's still like a lot of calls and a lot of checks and all that kind of stuff. But he did say that it has been simplified a little bit. And the reason why, he said, is that it allows more players to contribute. So, you know, you have, um, say, a Robert Barnes, for example, coming in this uh, this season, hasn't played in this defense before. It's going to be a lot easier for him to get ready to play and, and be effective when he's on the field if the defense is a little bit simpler. You know, he's a veteran, so you expect big things from him. So maybe more than him, you expect improvements from guys like Torin Pittman, um, who was a true freshman last year, might be ready to uh, contribute this year. Um, having a simpler defense means that you can rotate more guys in, and, you know, that, that definitely cannot hurt. Um... Dimitri Stanley, you know, we talked about this a little bit already, but uh, Carl Durrell said that he's kind of a hard-ass receiver coach. Um, Dimitri was asked about that, and he did say, like, yes, he is kind of a hard-ass receiver coach. He also said having a head coach who's a receiver's coach is unbeatable. Um, He says that you get to pick his brain, you get to pick up all the tips and tricks, and then take what he tells me and spread it down to everybody else. He's intense, he's passionate, all that kind of stuff. Um, I wonder if that's kind of... It's not something, you know, that you can point to and say, oh, this is why this is going well. You know, if Brendan Rice breaks out this year, you can't say, oh, well, of course he did, because you can see that Carl Durrell was just helping him and made him a lot better. Like... Brendan might go to reporters and say, yeah, Carl Carl has been really helpful and you have some of that, but there isn't like a direct one-to-one clear whatever. Um, it's something that you have to kind of just remember behind the scenes and maybe you do raise your expectations for the receivers every year just because Carl's been working with them. And Carl spent six years coaching receivers in the NFL. Uh, he spent some time coaching quarterbacks in the NFL. He spent some time coaching receivers in college. And he's gotten really good reviews no matter where he's been. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the same things we've talked about with these receivers are still true. You know, if Dimitri Stanley, who uh, he's he's fairly proven at this point, although 
I think that he does expect for himself a step up in production. You know, he's been... He he was the guy last year, but he was maybe putting up wide receiver two numbers, um, which was still leading the team and, and making him the best option, all that kind of stuff. But can he now put up wide receiver one numbers? You know, that's the next step for him. But at the same time, he's somebody who you put out there and you feel confident in having him out there. Behind him with Brendan Rice and Levante Chenault and all those guys, you still need to see a little bit more. I think, what, Brendan had like... 100 receiving yards, a little more than that. Um, didn't play in all the games. Uh, Levante had like 120 or something and played in 4K, something like that. They're not proven. And so when we have those conversations, we say, hey, there's a chance that this isn't their year yet. And they aren't ready yet. Although I do think that maybe we underestimate the impact that having Carl Durrell around has on some of those guys at that position. Um, so I'm now kind of a little bit higher on the receivers than I was before. Not necessarily because of all the things Dimitri said, but just because it makes you think about the impact that having Carl around should have. A um, few more here. Um, Nate was asked, you know, do you feel pressure to be the guy? He said, no, never really felt that pressure. It's just him playing football. It's what he does. Um, you know, and on top of that question, the reporter brought up Carl saying that now there's more pieces in this defense. Nate's not going to have to do everything by himself. Nate said, you know, there's always been a lot of good players around me, defensive line, secondary, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he said, predicting the same amount of production, the whole group has experience now. I, uh... I wonder what the numbers... Do. I mean, like I said, we ran through this. Some of the numbers were unsustainable. I mean, you're not expecting a sack per game from Nate Landman. He's a middle linebacker. But when you look at the tackles per game, that kind of stuff, I think that he absolutely is capable of putting up the same numbers. Um, I am curious what it'll look like coming off this Achilles injury. Um, but... I don't know. You just, you just kind of have to wait and see. Um, I think, you know, Dre was on the pod a couple days ago, and Dre was more concerned about it definitely than I am. Um, but to me, that's what I would look to more so than, oh, everybody around him is going to be stealing tackles. Um, it's worth keeping in mind, though, probably. Um, Nate also asked about the preseason award list. What do you think he said about that? He doesn't really care, um, and he brought up the reason why it's probably right not to care. Uh, you know, he said, what, there's probably 70, 80 guys on those lists? Yes, there absolutely are, and if you're Nate Landman, are you trying to be the 70 or 80th best defensive player in the country? No. I mean, if you're Nate Landman, you're trying to be number one. If you're a Buffs fan watching Nate Landman, you're a little bit more reasonable, might be the right word. Um, and you say, hey, if he's top 10 to 15, then we really, really have something on our hands here. Um, so, yeah. And when you look at the linebackers, I think Nate says, I want to be number one linebacker. And I think CU fans probably say top three is really, really good. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it is kind of a weird thing, though, where it's like, do do I tell our graphics people to make graphics every time Nate Landman's on a preseason award list? I don't think so, because there's just so many. But at the same time, if you have a guy like uh, Dimitri, he makes one, which he absolutely deserves to. Then you're like, yeah, this is exciting. Good, good work, Dimitri. It's just a different set of standards for Nate Landman at this point in his career. And, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying these watch lists are... Of course I'm on them. Of course I'm on them. Um, Dimitri asked about the quarterbacks. Really didn't say much. You know, get better every practice. They're learning what they can do for us. He's excited for both of them, that kind of stuff. Um, he did say like, I've been here longer than our quarterback or I guess our quarterbacks. And when you say something like that, it's like, I wonder which quarterback he was thinking of when he said that. Was it Brendan? Was it JT? And right after that, he said, you know, we've got JT who just transferred in here. We've got Brendan, who's a young guy. There was no way to read into which one was on his mind when he said that. Maybe it was just like a real like slip of the tongue and was meaningless, to me, I would guess that there was one of those names in his head, but no matter how times, how many times I go back and listen, I can't figure out which one it would have been. So not not much there. Just typical, like, ask receiver about the quarterbacks. He's going to say nice things about the quarterbacks. Um, both of them had some good things to say about Boulder. Um Nate brought up that it's the number one place in the U.S. to live again this year, um, just like it was last year. Um, talked about how there's things for people who do all sorts of different things. Um, for him, he's outdoorsy, and he likes hunting and fishing and all that stuff, and that's available, but they get people from all walks of life. Um, Dimitri talked about how, you know, it's not Bama, it's not like those SEC schools, but you can still compete with those guys, and... It's a really, really great place. Um, so, again, I can't remember why I put that in the notes. I don't have much to say about that. The right boulder is pretty cool. Um, last one. Oh, no, that was the last one. Um, let's take a break here, and we'll get into the DraftKings pick of the week. First, uh, got to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, they make all sorts of great beers. I'm getting ready to go on a boat. Definitely picking something up from Breckenridge. Ooh, actually, I should see. What can I get around here? Because I need to go do this after I finish this podcast. Breckenridge Brewery. Breckbrew.com. Now, we go to the beer locator. That's loading. That's loading. And, oh, I put in the wrong URL. Okay. So on Strawberry Sky, any location, then 25 miles, 59912. Oh, no, there's no Breckenridge. There's, or there's no Strawberry Sky. Let's try another one. Um, Good Company Hard Seltzer. They don't have that up here either. This is the This is why you never leave Colorado. How about the avalanche? Oh, we can get the avalanche. Oh, perfect. Right on the way to the lake. Nine Baker Avenue. Marcus Foods. That's where we'll be stopping. Um, it's that easy. And if you don't live in the middle of nowhere like me, then 
you probably can get whatever you want and not just um the very few that wind up in the northern corner of Montana. Um but yeah, Breckenridge Brewery can't go wrong with any of their beers. Definitely drink as many of them as you can because they're really good. Um also Gotta give a shout out to Ball. You guys know Ball for a bunch of different reasons, probably. You know, if you'd like drink out of a can and then you look on the side of that can, odds are there's going to be a little Ball logo that um, will mean that Ball made that can. Also, if you've gone to um, the, the Ball Arena, you know, there you go. There's Ball from that. That's where the Avalanche and the Nuggets play. Um, also if you've gone to like a CU football game, which it's been a while, and I guess they only had that one season with ball and order a beer, they come in those cups. Uh, so ball makes all sorts of different products. They're best known for the cans though. They're like aluminum cans. Um, they use aluminum because it's sustainable. 75% of aluminum is still, or that's ever been made is still being used today. Um, it's a, it's an awesome company. They made 101 billion cans last year. Which is, again, crazy. I said it every time I say it. I think, no, that can't be right. That that can't be right. It is, though. They made that many cans. And again, that sounds like wasteful and like they're filled. No, 75% of all aluminum ever created is still in use today. Um, they do stuff like um, Ball Aerospace developed image surveillance systems to observe natural resources from space. Um, you know, also seeing things like methane and ozone, land and water use, um, and just help the environment. You know, they're reducing all their emissions, doing those sorts of things. And if you're looking for a place to work, you really cannot do better than ball. Um, you know, they're known for their diversity, their equality. They've won a whole bunch of different awards. They got a corporate equality index score of 100% by the human rights campaign, and they're hiring for their plant in Golden. Um, if you text Golden to 77222, you'll get linked to the open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's jobs.ball.com and search for Golden or simply text Golden to 77222. All right. Um, I think that that's it for those. And the DraftKings pick of the week. This is going to be um, honestly kind of an easy one to me. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is probably kind of a conservative bet, but there's a 50% profit boost on um, the NBA draft, which is tonight, which means that you're supposed to win $10, use the profit boost, you'll win $15. Uh, it's a really cool thing that DraftKings does actually like surprisingly often. Um, and... At the top of the draft, things seem pretty set in stone. The number one pick is going to be Cade Cunningham. There just isn't much debate about it. Um, number two is going to be uh, Jalen Green. Um, number three, probably going to be uh, uh, the... Uh, this is, wow, this is really hard. Evan Mobley. There we go. Um, he's like minus 450 um, to go third overall. Number four, though, you can get the point guard from Gonzaga, Jalen Suggs, who, you know, so everybody's saying like the top three are basically locked in. The draft starts at four. 
But it's got to be Jalen Suggs at four unless there's some sort of trade. Jalen Suggs right now, minus 250. That means, like, if you make a $10 bet, you get a $4 win. You wind up with $14 instead of your $10. Um, sorry, I have to decline that call. There we go. Decline the call. If you use that 50% profit boost, though, then your $10 bet will wind up being, instead of paying out $4, it pays out $6. Which, again, isn't, like, the sexiest use or anything. I declined your call, Connor. There we go. Um, <laughs> and and uh, it isn't the sexiest pick, though, is my point. But sometimes you just need to make your money. Um, and that's an easy way to make your money because he will be going forth overall. You're getting a decent return. Um, and again, sometimes you just need to stack wins instead of trying to like just blow up your bank account. Um, so that's your DraftKings pick of the week. And uh, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back uh, tomorrow with more.